Hey everyone, thank you for listening to The Founders Peak, a podcast where we bring you exceptional startup founders from around the world who each share their inspiration and a bag full of usable insights from their entrepreneurial journeys. So if you're an aspiring founder or busy fundraising or nearing a successful exit or even feel like you might go down fighting, there's something useful in here for you. Most talks are hosted and recorded live with audiences at the Founders Peak stage at the world's largest fintech event, the Singapore Fintech Festival. My name is Naveen Suri. And I'm Sagari Bight. And we are the hosts of the Founders Peak podcast. I'm a former banker turned entrepreneur. And like all entrepreneurs, I have more than a few battle scars on my back. All of which, by the way, I'm very proud of. I'm a content strategist by profession and had the pleasure of co-hosting these remarkable founders together with Naveen at the Singapore Fintech Festival in November 2022. Our speaker today is Julian Hosp, co-founder and CEO of Cake DeFi. Julian is based in Singapore. In his talk titled, From Near Death to a Billion Dollar Business, he tells us about his near-death experience that gave him extreme fire, extreme motivation to build a billion dollar business and the power of having a no list, which ultimately determines your focus. Let's listen to Julian. It's the year 2014, eight years ago, and I'm on Thai Airways flight 602 from Bangkok to Hong Kong. I'm just leaning back in my chair, waiting for the pushback on the airplane getting ready, I'm playing around a bit with my phone and the magazine, I'm just going through the safety procedures from the flight attendant. It's been one of hundreds of flights I've taken until that point, and I just want to get home to Hong Kong, where I was living at that point with my girlfriend. And uh, yeah, I'm just waiting, I look a bit left and right, some of the passengers getting really, really nervous, fear of flying, and I didn't have any of that. I was uh, yeah, so used to that uh, experience, so I was just waiting. We taxi out on the, onto the runway, Pilot does the final checking and says, uh, yeah, uh, let's go. We start speeding up. I get pushed back in my chair. We start taking off. I just am um, about to recline my chair. I want to kind of relax a bit. And at this very moment, there's a massive bang on the right wing. I see a right, uh, red, uh, big fireball on the wing outside. Everything starts shaking. And within seconds, the entire cabin is full of smoke. I panic, just like the entire rest of the plane, everyone in complete panic mode. I want to get the oxygen masks, and I notice that the masks are hanging to the side. My mask is actually at my seat neighbor, and I have another mask in front of me. And then I notice that the entire plane is hanging so far to one side that it's absolutely going to crash into the ground. I completely think this is, this is it. This is the rest of my life I'm never going to experience. I know that one of the most dangerous moments in, tra- in flying on a plane is always the first couple of seconds, and obviously the last couple of seconds when you start and land. And in this very moment, I only think of one thing, and that is my girlfriend. I put up my phone, I try to call her, no signal, no service. I type this text message and I say, honey, um, we, are, we just took off. I think we're going to crash. We're probably not going to make this. Um, don't forget, I love you. And while I do all this, I completely forget my surroundings. And I notice that the cabin starts clearing up. The smoke disappears. The plane has straightened. The oxygen masks are straight. In this moment, I try to put on the oxygen masks. And obviously, this is way too late now. Uh, it would have not mattered anymore. And the captain comes over the loudspeakers and says, 
Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry for the small this inconvenience. Uh, we've had a slight uh, issue with our right engine. This is an absolute routine procedure, and we're going to attempt an emergency landing on Bangkok Airport. So we're going to turn around, and we're going to do an emergency landing. So I just sit there, and I think, That's a what a crazy guy. I mean, uh, we have this uh, explosion. There's smoke in the cabin, and he calls this a routine procedure. Um, but I, I mean, there's nothing else I can do other than have full faith, and I just see on my screen how the plane actually takes this turn, and we start heading at the runway. The weird thing about heading at the runway was, though, that we were not heading straight. I could see out of my window, and I was sitting on the side, that we were heading with my window towards the runway. And that is when I started real to realize we only had one engine. So that plane was heading pretty much sideways, getting pushed by one engine onto the runway. And I was sure we're not going to make this landing. I thought we're going to land and we're going to flip over because we came so sidewards. We sank down, sank down. I could see everyone was totally quiet. Everyone in full fear. The flight attendant said, "Please go into brace position." I completely forgot what brace position meant, but I just naturally kind of ducked down because I felt we we're just going to flip over. The plane, the plane touches down, and in this very moment, the plane turns around, straightens. We come to an actual rundown. The pilot slows the plane down, and I do what I've never done before, which is I give an applause to the pilot for landing that plane. And I'm not the only one who does that. Actually, the entire plane does that. Everyone is in full cheer. We actually made it. We survived it, and it's uh, yeah for us uh, this kind of new birth. Um, as soon as we land and everyone is happy to be alive, the first thing what happens to me is my phone starts buzzing like crazy. So I completely forget. Oh my goodness! I had written this text message to my girlfriend, and she obviously in full panic mode. I had eight missed calls, text messages. She wanted to know what was going on. So I pick up and I say, "Honey, absolutely crazy. We almost crashed." Uh, No, I don't have a time right now. We need to exit the plane. I don't know if anything is burning.、Um, let me call you back as soon as I know more. As soon as I know about my recovery flight back to Hong Kong, I'll call you back. I love you. I was a bit crying. She was crying. We were happy just to be alive. Well, at the end, we got off the plane. Everything turned out safely, and I went on to this、um, flight back to Hong Kong for the very first time with fear of flying. And that, though, was just the start. To what happened in the eight years since then, this experience gave me this extreme fire, this extreme motivation, that I knew any day could be my last day, any moment could be my last moment. And it was not that until that point I hadn't done many things in my life. I had been a professional kite surfer for almost ten years. I'd studied medicine. I worked as a trauma surgeon. I had quit working as a trauma surgeon because I wanted to actually start a business, and that's why I had moved to Hong Kong. None of that had actually really turned or materialized into something that I was proud of. Or even more important, I always had this vision. I wanted to do things in my life that my eight and my 80-year-old would feel proud about. And I felt I hadn't done that. I had struggled for so many years to kind of get ahead in my life, especially in business. And so I sat down and I made this vision board. I drew those things that I put pictures together of things that I wanted to achieve. I put that. That business on there, financial dreams,、uh, personal dreams. I had this dream that I wanted to have a family with three kids. That was in 2014, and I hadn't even met, married my wife at that point because I always had come up with excuses on why I shouldn't marry her, and there were constantly new ideas. But so now I had this fire, I had this massive motivation. So with this, as we all kind of think, 
anything is possible. So I get working and I start really working hard on my business again. But months after months after months, I don't see any progress. And I start reflecting on why am I stuck? Where, why am I not getting ahead? And suddenly there's a very interesting thing from Steve Jobs that came to mind. And what came to mind was when he came back to Apple in 1997, it was not that he started to do more products. He removed products. He said no to things that would actually make sense. So it was not that he kicked out the products that were bad. He kicked out good products, but not the great ones. He kept the few great ones, and he, kept out, he kicked out the many good ones. And that no list stuck with me. It's not that the sun starts a fire on Earth. It's the magnifying glass that funnels the sun and focuses it and actually puts that focus to work that starts the fire. And so when we start a business or in the relationship or in my personal life, what I called a no list became the absolute focal point in anything that I do. And the no list are not the things that are obvious. In business, so many people understand a no list. There's, there's, I, I could give you a no list about so many things and most people would understand it. But let me give you a main no list. I could come up with a no list on how we selected customers, uh, what kind of products we did, what kind of markets we chose, what did we say no to. But let me give you a very strong no that for years, internally and externally, I was fought against. We are a crypto company. We are in the crypto space. Today, we're worth over a billion dollars. Over the last couple of months, many, many crypto companies went bankrupt. We didn't. And you know why? Because for years, we said no to investing our own funds into crypto. Completely counterintuitive. And for most people, even internally, this caused such a pushback. Dude, are you not seeing Bitcoin is going to 60,000 and you're staying in dollar? Everyone says the dollar is going worthless. Oh, don't you see this coin? This coin is mooning and you're staying in dollars. No one is saying this today to us anymore because we kept everything in dollars because we said no to investing our own funds in crypto. The no list cannot be something that's easy or understandable. When I talk about my family, and by the way, this is from today, three kids. So powerful what a vision board can do, but you need to have the right no list. When I tell someone in our family, like you have a list, a rule of no table at the phone, everyone starts nodding. Sure, that makes sense. That's a good, it makes sense. That's why it's not a no list. A no list is something that's a very strong statement. For us, that means no TV at home. No TV at home. You come to our place, everyone is always like, where's your TV? No TV. That causes obviously a lot of secondary consequences and that's why it's a very powerful no list. In my personal life, obviously, as a professional athlete, I had totally different ideas about a no list. And no list to me in my personal life today is no dinners. I just don't do dinner at all. I don't eat dinner. I don't do dinner. I don't have dinner. This is very conflicting, but it has a lot, a lot of specific consequences with a lot of strong focus. It's the power or the, the amount of the sacrifice, the amount of your no list that at the end will determine your focus. Sure, you will need that massive fire. You'll need that massive motivation that actually is going to get you up in the morning. Because without that, you're not going to get up. It's completely pointless. But if you cannot channel that energy into something, and that means saying no to so many things that naturally you would say yes to. But because it is on your no list, that is because you start putting that focus on. So what I really hope with those 10 minutes that I achieve is, I want you to pick up that call. I want you to say, yes, I have that motivation. Let me do it. Let me pick up that call. But at the same time, that means that you're going to have to say no to so many other calls.
Thank you so much. Thank you, Julian. Now, if you'd like to watch Julian's talk at the Founders Speak, simply visit Singapore Fintech Festival on YouTube. You're listening to the Founders Speak podcast, where exceptional founders share untold stories from their journeys. We have lots more for you coming up next, so do stay with us.